0: Several years back, there was a judge in Michigan that would fine people in court if they used their cell phones. The story is that during a trial, his phone started speaking. I cannot understand you. Could you please try repeating? I'm sure we've had that all happen to us. The judge dismissed people for a break And after returning, he addressed the previous problem. See, in the past, he had fined attorneys, police officers, and defendants in court alike for the violation of this rule of cell phones being used in his courtroom. So as they returned, he noted that he was holding himself in contempt of court and ordered himself to pay the standard fine of $25 that he normally gave everyone else. That's integrity. And integrity is really the question that we have that comes up with the Sadducees today. The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. And the whole point of this hypothetical that they're bringing up before our Lord is to deny the resurrection. Among biblical scholars, there's an argument that's kind of a chicken-or-the-egg argument. The question is this. Did the Sadducees live lives that were morally corrupt because they did not believe in the resurrection, or did they not believe in the resurrection because they lived lives that were morally corrupt? The question really doesn't need a direct answer. We know this to be true that if our beliefs don't direct our actions, sooner or later, our actions begin to direct our beliefs. If we begin to compromise in areas of faith, no no matter how small they are, carving out an exception here or there, we will soon cast aside and lose the faith that we once had. So, if the judge in our earlier example had decided that just this one time it didn't matter, then to be consistent, to be objective, he most certainly would need to carve out that same exception for everyone else. And at some point or the other, his courtroom would become chaos. The Sadducees in today's gospel are more focused on earthly things. And Jesus is pointing out to them this heavenly reality, the eternal truth that lasts forever. Jesus in no way in the gospel is denying that marriage is a good. However, he is pointing and saying that there is still something greater. And that something greater is our relationship with God that lasts into eternal life. After all, our eternal dwelling place and our eternal happiness is not found on this earth, but is in heaven. As St. Paul tells us beautifully, our citizenship is in heaven. At our own baptism, we were given a new citizenship. We were born into Christ, and thus... Our rightful citizenship is in heaven. Many Christian writers have focused on this point over and over again. On this earth, we're only visitors. We're only sojourners. For lack of a better term, I could say that really I only have a work visa for this life on, work, on earth. However, the devil wants us to focus only on our citizenship on earth. And I'm not speaking here in any political terms, don't misunderstand me, but simply the fact that this life on this earth is passing and that it doesn't compare to anything that awaits us as a glory that will be revealed when we reach our true citizenship in heaven. St. Paul is aware that we are threatened as he says in our second reading, by a perverse and wicked people, and that God needs to guard us from the attacks of the evil one. The devil constantly wants us to turn, to forfeit our citizenship, and to focus only on those passing pleasures of our earthly life. And so every time that we give in to a temptation, Every time that we put earthly goods above the spiritual goods, we give into this trap. And most of the time, it's things that are good that draw us away from God. It is this fact, right? It's the devil's most cunning trick. He doesn't convince us to just straight out deny our faith in God but he pokes away at little things and convinces us to put things that are are good ahead of God, to make them greater than God. Maybe it's something like sports and activities, right, that he convinces us that these hold priority in our lives over God. And while I would never stand up in front of someone and say, I believe and I profess that sports are more important than Jesus Christ, like the Sadducees, however, when we begin to live in a certain way, when we begin to make one exception here or there, we begin to truly profess that by our lives. To be frank, I think we've reached that point. And so now what? How do we counter that? We're called to stay close to Jesus Christ. If we focus on what was in the second reading, Paul gives us our answer. We're called to be light in this world, in this world that greatly needs light because it's been so darkened by sin. The saying is this, that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. I live in this world, but I do not hold and profess the attitudes and the culture of this world. In fact, I live completely contrary to that. I have a friend who particularly doesn't agree with some of the teachings of the church. And once in conversation, he said to me, The church is so incredibly out of touch with the world and the times. I paused, looked at him, and said to him, You know, that might have been the nicest thing that you've ever said about the church. We do need to be able to understand the anxieties of the world, the worries of the world, as those are our own, right? And I need to be, un- be able to understand why people choose sin. And I need to be able to point out the moments that I see goodness, that I see virtue in the world. However, I should not wear the uniform of the world. My citizenship is in heaven. Our uniform is that white baptismal garment we got at our baptism that we are called to return with unstained into eternal life. So how can I be light? There's a principle of St. Thomas Aquinas that simply puts it this way. You cannot give what you don't have. If I don't have light, I can't give light. If I don't have relationship with God, I can't give relationship with God. To have light, I have to draw close to the light. I need to spend time in prayer. I must commit myself to the Lord. I must be with him daily. And honestly, once that happens, once I spend time with the Lord, once I'm with him and I'm filled with his light, the rest is easy. We see our first reading, the witness that these brothers give to their faith because of their relationship, because of the seriousness that they take their faith. Once that happens, the encounters with others will happen. I'll be someone who's filled with light, that has my joy for not being a citizen on earth, but one of the heavenly kingdom."